0: Hello, and welcome to a strictly aquatic, avian-raised episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your Cinemechanics, Brett Mosher and Travis Santana, and today we'll be concluding our Questionably Christmas Trilogy with 1992's Batman Returns. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Cobble Plot, Platypus, Cast, 3rd Batana, and Mickey D's. But before we do, let's check in on the shop.
1: All right, now, kids, I have a special treat for you, and and I bet even your teacher will appreciate this. This vehicle right here belongs to one of our VIP customers. This is a 1969 Dodge Charger. You kids might recognize it as a Batmobile from Robert Pattinson's The Batman, but I call it the key. The key to what, you ask? Unlimited poontang. You pull up in this baby and... uh okay kids i I hope you're all enjoying the field trip uh we got a lot more planned for the tour but uh mr brett over there is telling me i need to wrap this portion up so in the meantime here take some cat treats and uh, you can go play with some of the shop stray pussies in the back alley
0: cats there there are some really nice cats we feed very friendly go play and uh, we'll be back in the lobby in about 15 minutes sound good Dude, would you get a hold of yourself? This isn't a bachelor party. What's, what's the issue? Why are you talking to 12-year-olds about unlimited poontang? They're going to go home and repeat that to their parents, and we're going to get sued. Jesus, can you imagine if one of those kids recorded you and put it on their TikTok or something? We'd lose all of our sponsors. Let's just review Batman Returns. The streets of Gotham are once again littered with a sideshow of criminally insane wrecking havoc. This time, led by an avian-obsessed orphan, the group of ne'er-do-wells plot to take vengeance for past grievances assisted by a corrupt corporate tycoon. Can Batman stop the mini-plots against the good people of Gotham, or will his pursuit of a costumed pussycat stop him from saving the day? Already, sir, we will jump into five-point inspection, but you know I've got to know, what is your quick diagnostic of 1992's Batman Returns?
1: Uh, Well, this week I have two different time capsules, and I'm going to get the first one out of the way before you can steal it from me. Um, Because through my research, I found out something about this movie that makes a lot of sense after you watch it. Um, And it's kind of shocking to think that uh, 1989's Batman was a, a smash hit like a cultural phenomenon but Tim Burton and Michael Keaton had only signed on for that movie which I mean is in the the day and age of Marvel where they're signing like 10 film contracts it's insane to me that they would launch a Batman franchise and not sign on the director and the actor who plays Batman to multiple picture deals mm-hmm. obviously once well, especially- it became I'll oh, go ahead
0: Well, because you got to think they had already done it with Superman with Christopher Reeves. So it's not like this would have been the first time they did it. So they, you know, there was a franchise superhero movie before this.
1: Yeah. The fact that you're attracting talent like Jack Nicholson, I I would have thought they would have had more confidence to sign them on. I I say all that to say that it took a little bit of convincing to get Tim Burton back. Apparently, he does not like doing sequels. And I guess part of bringing him back was he kind of had free reign to do what he wants For better and, in my opinion, uh, worse. Uh, This, I'll say hashtag not my Batman. This just is not, (laughs) this is not what I want from Batman. I think Christopher Nolan comes along later and gives me exactly what I'm looking for. So this movie looks even more ridiculous in hindsight than it would have, you know, back in 92 when I first saw it. But a lot to unpack there. So that'll be in the five points. But what do you think generally, since this is your, literally your first time seeing it?
0: first time seeing it so i'll say this i'm actually looking forward to getting to our new segment alignment because i went and actually pulled the critic and fan re- uh, reception of all of the live action batman movies so that we could go through and see where this one ranks up where it'll rank up for you and all of it but where this move ranks up there are nine live action batman movies that i counted
1: nine um, lives
0: Nine. <laughs> yeah Ooh. well look at that Uh, with Batman as the uh, title character. Like, if you want to do the Justice League stuff where you've got Ben Affleck or he makes an appearance in, I think, what is it, Suicide Squad? Like, I didn't count those. I'm talking about actual Batman movies. But, um, I will say this. I found the movie enjoyable, but for, like, it's batshit fucking crazy, a pun intended. Like, the movie is all over the fucking place, and it's one of those where Tim Burton is more interested in what he's got going on visually in a scene than he does actually putting an entire movie together. Cause there's, when we get to the, I have questions section. Oh my (laughs) God, do I have questions for this fucking movie? Like there's, there's so much going on that just makes no sense. Like a good example of this is one of my favorite scenes that I think is just really funny and hysterical and weird is when Christopher Walken, who has one of the worst wigs of all time, like, all I can, it had to be by choice, right? It had to be that Tim Burton wanted him to look fucking crazy. Um, he looks like he should be doing, like, a an indie Beethoven biopic with the hairpiece that he's wearing. But he goes up, and this is ha- about halfway through the movie, maybe a little past or whatever, but he goes up to get Oswald Cobblepot, Penguin, And this is where he's going to convince him that he needs to run for mayor. So Penguin is in just a filthy onesie, whatever it is, in his fucking shitty-ass boots. He convinces him to come downstairs with a fucking fish, all right? He walks him downstairs into his new mayoral campaign headquarters with him just eating a fish all over his face. And, like, the scene is hysterical and it, it's a cool looking scene to me. But I'm like, this makes no fucking sense. Like what person is working this job? That's like, I'm getting paid enough to deal with whatever the fuck just came down those stairs. <laughs> like there's, and yeah, you have the two assholes that are kind of making fun of them and all that. But like, I'm thinking of anybody else in that room is like, what the fuck did I get signed on to do? Cause that is not winning shit.
1: And, and I hate to profile the penguin, but when he saves the mayor's baby, who on God's green earth believes that he actually saved that baby? Like the, the the plot to make him a hero is just so nonsensical that I just I'm like, he, he's literally got toxic waste coming from his mouth. But yeah, we're going to believe that he has that baby's best intent. Just,
0: just the people of Gotham and their gullibility, right? The plot to frame Batman is so ridiculous. Re- ridiculous it's just like he's been saving the city for five plus years or whatever but for some reason he just fucking snapped and killed a woman he clearly pushed her from the balcony there's no way he was trying to save her because that's not what batman does so it's just like it makes no sense now in fairness he did try to well
1: from from the outside appearance it would seem that he tried to run over a bunch of pedestrians as well and hey let me slip it in here a little preview for i have questions do you think the penguin had that little coin operated batmobile created (laughs) or is that in this meta universe batman is a celebrity and so he just stole it from like the front of a kmart
0: so in my research apparently there was a scene of a batman merchandise store that got cut and i feel like that would have explained because again that's a it makes it interesting if he used a kid's play toy and turned it into that on the other hand it's also very funny to me and just in how this movie plays out the fact that he would have that made that little car made for him like i almost think the scene is more amusing not having that context that there is a batman like store but to your point it's fucking weird well, you answered one of my
1: questions, Brett, for I have questions. Because I was wondering, where does Batman get the Batman stationery that he writes on? But I Is guess that... it's from the Batman store. <laughs> I had that
0: in my questions. I literally looked at Kate when we were watching this movie. I'm like, why does Batman have stationery?
1: <laughs> Not only does he have stationery, Brett, he has branded audio visual equipment as well. He's got the Batman CD burner and player.
0: Oh, my God. I get it. The movie, and that's why I'm saying I was entertained in this movie. Like, from beginning to end, the movie is entertaining. It's just, when you kind of put it up against modern superhero movies, it's fucking all over the place. Like, nothing makes sense. You have to go in and take everything at face value. Because even even how Catwoman becomes a superhero makes no goddamn sense in this fucking movie. (laughs) It's like, at a certain point, I was like, Did the cat breathe super cat essence into her? Like, what the fuck just happened? She clearly died and came back to life. And I'll say this. This is a weird, one of those weird, like, you didn't realize these movies were in the same universe. Apparently, oh, did I just steal your other time caps or something? No, I'm
1: curious if you're going to go where I think you might be going.
0: The Halle Berry Catwoman. Apparently has some Easter egg in the background of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, and it is basically brought up in the movie that the in that universe that it's like this spirit of the Catwoman that transfers to women who are in need, and like they use that to basically thread it all together. So Halle Berry's Catwoman is actually in the same universe as Tim Burton's Batman
1: movies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the long kiss goodnight because it's another case of a woman having a head injury in the snow and then waking up as a uh, a trained, highly deadly killer. At least in the long kiss goodnight, you have the explanation that she's remembering a past life here. A meek secretary uh Becomes Jason Bourne after falling, God knows how many stories. <laughs> and I have to say, that scene where Christopher Walken pushes her out the window, that was my favorite Christopher Walken moment of the movie, where he kind of does the, ah, I'm just playing with <laughs> you. And uh, then bam. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh.
0: So we're probably what, almost 15 minutes into this thing, maybe. And we haven't even touched the five points. So let's actually start doing some five points. I think we've kind of hovered around of them because cobble plot is just talking about the plot or lack thereof plot in this movie. Um, And I have a couple points. (laughs) Again, this is a fun movie to talk about because it is just fucking insane. My one of my first things to talk about is part of the plot is Maxwell. What is Christopher Walken's character's full name? max shrek max okay maxwell shrek so his whole thing is that he is going to leave his legacy that is leaving to his son is a a power factory that isn't actually a power factory it's actually siphoning power and saving it so that he can then sell it back to people later and i'm like what legacy is that? I When he makes that comment, I'm like, what, that, what legacy are you leaving your child that you're, I guess, just storing energy in hopes that one day Gotham will actually need it and that you're going to build it? Or that they're going to come and buy it from you, I guess, at an increased price.
1: And what I don't understand is... He already has, I guess, a department store empire, which I thought was just random as hell. Why it is a guy who owns a bunch of JCPenney's. Why does he decide to get in the power game? Um, and I have an answer for that. I don't know. Did you research at all who Max Shrek in earlier versions of the script was going to be? No, who wasn't? He was going to be Harvey Dent and he oh, was going to be working. Gonna work? He was going to be working through city hall to get the power plant and then I guess the the way that he dies with Catwoman kissing him with the uh the stun gun or whatever that's what was going to deform one half of his face but only remnants of that remained. Because technically in the first Batman Billy D Williams was Harvey Dent.
0: Right, so they were going to bring back Billy D. Okay. That's interesting though because it would have made him Corrupted from the beginning, as opposed to when Two Face is basically the split personnel. That would have been interesting if that's where they were gonna go with go with that. Um, one of the other things, I mean, plot wise, that just doesn't make any fucking sense in this movie is I don't and there's gonna be a lot of I have questions kind of I think uh, interlaced between in the five points is the Penguin was raised by penguins. I don't. <laughs> don't understand that whole plot thing like he's so young that he does not realize that where his his parents are because in the movie i guess it, i feel like he knows he's a cobble plot but it makes out like he doesn't know what that is and then you have the whole thing about batman bruce wayne doesn't believe he you know He thinks he's like just a sideshow guy who's trying to basically cash in a cobble, which I thought would have been a more interesting plot to begin with if it had been that, that he's not actually the son of the Cobblepots. He is just a sideshow attraction that saw an opportunity to take advantage of this. Maybe like they had just recently died and there was no heir to the fortune and he's like, oh, I'm the long lost son. Like that would have been somewhat interesting and a little bit more believable, but Batman basically decides like, oh no, he is the son of the Cobblepots. But again, he was less than one year the penguins raised him in the abandoned zoo like what who the fuck picked him up like i don't understand how he became obsessed with penguins like none of that makes any sense travis none of it makes any sense
1: yeah I, how did he survive infancy like did, did he just start eating raw fish as a uh, a 12 month old child i it 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 makes no, it, it awfully convenient that that abandoned sewer is there just pristine and untouched for i guess 30 some odd years
0: (laughs) even behind but beyond that his plot and this is the reason why i'm saying he has to know that he's a cobble pot is his whole plot his whole scheme his scheme not the whole the mayor thing that became a side plot that max wanted max Shrek. His whole thing is that he is going to kidnap and murder the firstborn son of everyone in Gotham. Or maybe it's just the rich and famous. I don't know. But at one point, it made it sound like it was all of them. Which somehow means that he has harnessed the power of Santa to be able to get that all accomplished in one evening. Um, But... That whole plot doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The whole idea of him wanting to become mayor and like reclaim his name to me made more sense than I'm going to murder a bunch of children.
1: And that's that's the thing about this movie is plots are introduced and then either dropped or quickly resolved. We were talking about the power plant at a certain point. That's just never mentioned again. That just completely goes away. The whole kidnapping Gotham's firstborn, that's. Cobblepot's original plan. Then he's like, oh no, I like being mayor. And then Batman blows his cover uh, by doing a little uh, DJ work on a CD. because That's how they they work. Uh, and then he, he immediately is just like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to open fire on this crowd and back to plan A, which then is resolved in like, if you blink, you miss that. Batman just foils that whole plan because he stops the train that's going through Gotham and we don't even like we, we, <laughs> the that's the whole train, plot and it's resolved like train. that Trevor's
0: the train that can fit maybe 10 kids on it oh like, who are we picking up in this thing I'm like what the fuck is this are there more than one train because i don't feel like there's enough sideshow people to command that many trains like, what the yeah fuck plus and i feel like they're putting kids? one kid
1: per cage i'm like be, be consult the gop you gotta pack them in there all right we it's a small train we need at least 10 <laughs> to 15 kids per cage
0: um so there's that the whole thing about what brought Selina back to life makes knows and gave her combat skills.
1: Why? Why? Do, why do Batman and Catwoman even fight in the first place? It just seems all of a sudden like I can understand why Cobblepot doesn't like Batman, but all of a sudden Selina's like, yep, he's my arch villain, too. He's my arch nemesis because reasons because he well, tried, tried to stop me from blowing up a department store.
0: And I forgot that there was the, low, the the Max, the cartoon cat logo. I forgot that, you know, Max Shrek's logo was on the department store because I guess it's Batman is getting in the way of her revenge. But I'm like, it's a real weird weird thing to blow up a department store that clearly has insurance on it. Like, how is that hurting Max by blowing up his department store? Like, I don't exactly know where that connection is.
1: Um. If- I also, did you notice the dropped line when uh, Bruce Wayne is talking to Selina out in front of the store? And Selina's basically questioning, you know, what good does Batman do? And he's like, well, he prevented a lot of property damage. I thought that was a a fun little jab because that's about all Batman does in this old movie is prevent a little property damage.
0: Well, and I was like, because all the people that got pissed off about Batman versus Superman, Batman doesn't kill people. Batman doesn't kill them. Like, who the fuck? Nobody was complaining about Batman Returns when he literally roasts somebody alive and straps a bomb to one and throws him in a sewer like they didn't survive that people okay so tim burns batman did kill people and not just the accidental joker thing like he legitimately is just like you're gonna blow fire at me i'm going to roast you alive with the engine of my car like he's kind of a sadistic fuck (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, th- totally. This movie is so weird because everything is played like Looney Tunes. But when you actually stop and think about it, it's it's dark as hell.
0: We'll get to that in Platypus because that's what that's all about. Uh, another another plot thing that I'll, I'll save that for. I have questions. Um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> most of the plot things that I, it's just like I don't understand what's going on with the plot of this movie because again the whole mayor thing seemed like that would have been in and you know him trying to reclaim his parents fortune would have been an interesting thing for the penguin but instead it's i'm murdering all of the firstborns. that's that's my <laughs> that's my whole thing
1: and yeah i guess it was just going to take him back to the sewer and drown them that's what he tells max Shrek. i'm like jesus you're Which- just going to have him walk single file into the water <laughs>
0: But that's the thing. He's like, I'm going to drown them in the toxic waste that you provided. So I'm like, so the penguin's hanging around the toxic waste. And like, not only that, not 30 seconds later, Travis, all of his penguin compadres jump in and start swimming in that water. I'm like, is that not the same toxic waste you were going to dump the children into? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not good for the penguins.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> all right. So since you kind of hit it at platypus, so I think... Tim Burton's a weird motherfucker, and there's stuff that I like from Tim Burton I like a lot, and there's some of his stuff I don't really like at all. In fact, I'll tell you, I'm probably in the minority of Tim Burton fans. I really like the movie Big Fish. I think that's probably one of his best because I think it's the perfect coupling of his weirdness and, like, actually having a really nice contained story. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the the movie Big Fish. Um, I know some people aren't, but... What I think is interesting about this movie is somehow Tim Burton chooses to combine this gothic art deco look with comic book or even like the 1960s camp of that Batman. And it is such a weird juxtaposition in this movie. And I just as entertaining and fun as the movie is, I don't think that it actually works at all. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you look at what he did with Edward Scissorhands, and I think this is basically kind of the the opposite. Like Edward Scissorhands, it made sense to have that gothic character in that pristine suburb, like the fish out of water, and it shows like the you know the strict difference. In this movie, it's almost jarring because you have these super gothic characters like Batman, not necessarily Bruce Wayne, but Batman. And then you have Catwoman and the Penguin are all in black, black leather. They're painted to be very pale and sickly looking. But then you'll put them in scenes like that, uh, you know, the HQ, the um, campaign headquarters scene, where you have the Penguin, who is very pale, complected, very gothic, next to these people that are full of vibrance and color. And it's just, it's such a weird juxtaposition where it's like, they clearly don't belong in this scene. And it's not a matter of like, you can do the whole fish out of water. Like he's not part of their world. But I'm like, it's beyond that because it's an aesthetic thing. Like you've combined two very different aesthetics and I just don't think it's working the way it does in a movie like Edward Scissorhand. Well,
1: I think this is the only time I can really bring it up. I did not like, I don't know if this were, was intentional on Burton's part. I did not like most of the sets uh, on this movie. It felt a lot smaller than even 1989's Batman. Like the like the tree lighting ceremony, it looks like there's maybe like 25 people there. And mm-hmm. anytime we have a wide shot, it just looks like they're on a back lot of the studio. And like a, a building is literally just painted onto a brick wall. Like, I don't know if that was intentional to make it look so cheap. But it, it, it took me out of the movie every time they would show any of those outdoor scenes. And it's clearly on this tiny soundstage.
0: Well, actually, it wasn't a tiny soundstage. Apparently, it took up at least 50% of the Warner Brothers lot, the set for this movie. And they they basically assembled it so that you could take it apart and put it back together. And I guess there's stories of Michelle Pfeiffer getting lost on the set all the time because of them rebuilding it. But it was a gigantic set. But to your point, I think it didn't feel lived in. Like, you had these... It felt like almost... If you're doing, like, a Jack the Ripper movie where everything is very contained, like it's the cobble streets of old England but there aren't enough people living in it so it feels like at any given time you only have about 20 extras running around and this is supposed to be like a Chicago or a New York and like there's just not enough people like and even when you have 20 extras 17 of them are bad guys like there's it doesn't feel like there's any actual people in Gotham living there with the exception of when they're throwing fruit at the penguin and that's the biggest crowd you can get
1: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I mean, when the circus gang arrives, it looks like they represent half the population of Gotham. And I guess the first movie was filmed in world renowned Pinewood Studios. And as a part of bringing back Keaton and Burton, they were like, no, we're not spending all this time away from our families, let's shoot it in LA. But then I guess also one of the like costume and set designers on the first movie died before this movie came out. So I don't know if that's what's different, but it's weird to me that every time you think of a sequel, especially to like a superhero property, it just gets bigger as you go. This one somehow feels a lot smaller.
0: I'll say this and to to your point with the set. I think the first one, I love Art Deco. It is absolutely one like as a graphic designer, it's one of my favorite genres of like art and design. I absolutely love Art Deco. One of the reasons why I probably love the first movie and I love Batman the animated series so much is because they play off of that. I do feel like this movie got very generic. Like none of the scenes feel like that Art Deco. like it has that style th- that the first movie had. It all feels like just generic streets, and I think that that might also be one of the reasons why you're thinking it doesn't. It feels like just a small sound stage, just because it doesn't feel grandiose. It doesn't feel like there's a lot there. It just feels like a generic city. It could be anything or anywhere.
1: Yeah, and again, the worst part is it distracted me every time it it came up. Um, do you have more in platypus?
0: Yes, even the dialogue I think is crazy because again you have this very gothic style you have the art deco like the i loved the penguins campaign posters and his buttons god they looked gorgeous oh mm, beautiful again goes back to art deco and, and my heart on for that but then you have that style and then again it goes back to like pulling from that 1960s campy where like you'll they'll say weird things like when the penguin's being pelted with with lettuce he's like you know who brings lettuce to a to to a mayoral announcement or something like that and you're like you're right who does do that and i i can't remember i think i had a couple more of the lines written down but like there's so many just weird lines that are said in the movie that are just very camp in terms of lines did you like that somehow we managed to get two movies in a row that you had the quote you're a fly in the ointment uh yeah pain in the ass <laughs> um expensive expensive baubles i had just because i thought that was a funny phrase but yeah there's a lot of just very campy language in this movie as well where it's just tonally i just i feel like it's too drastic they're too different in order to make them work you know um i I think that's just that was a tim burton thing where he had his you know his kind of darker emo gothic style type stuff and then at the same time they were trying to as dark as this movie is and even like you said dark tone like they're murdering children they still have these weird cheesy lines right? like at the end when he pulls out the parasol, he goes ah oh, a cute one and you're just like it's a funny joke but I'm like this feels so it doesn't feel like this should be in this movie you know I mean this, this might
1: kind of wade into Mickey D's territory but it, it fits perfectly here you're talking about some of these lines. What about when Bruce and Selena are at the party dancing and he, Bruce says something to the effect of like, see, was that so difficult? And she's like, well, I'd say semi hard. You're, you're making an erection joke in the middle of like what ostensibly should be a kid's movie. You've got at the God penguin comes off as a borderline rapist in this movie. Like yeah. when he's at his campaign headquarters and and the girl's like, you know, you're, a great role model for a young person to have. And he's like, You're a great young person for a role model to have. And then, like, fondles her breasts when he puts the, the campaign button on. We had mentioned, I think, off air, or maybe even it was while we were recording Die Hard, your mom not wanting you to see this movie. <laughs> I have to retroactively be like, My bad, Terry Mosher, you probably made the right call because I was trying to figure out what it was specifically. It could have been 10 or 15 different things in this movie
0: and i'm sure it was uh, the the french flipper that she didn't (laughs) want me to know about
1: and the reason i call this category mickey d's is because mickey d's mcdonald's they had a whole toy line for happy meals and they pulled them like once Mm -hmm. they saw the movie they were like we're not releasing these toys uh which obviously infuriated the studio um and spoiler alert tim burton was ready to come back for batman 3 and warner brothers was like I think we're good. Why don't you go back to some art house stuff?
0: Uh, that's a large reason why Schumacher got the third one and why it just went over the top with the campy side it, to basically kind of tone it down and make it more cartoony was because of that, because of sponsorship. Yeah, so, yeah, again, corporate greed. Your, your Maxwell Shrek basically got in there and, and caused the third movie and potentially fourth in that that run mm. to just be fucking god-awful, uh, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but just to go back, yeah, you know, Mickey D's and not the safe stuff. But like, how about the whole scene when Catwoman and Penguin meet, and it's just the whole thing is like weirdly when she decides she's gonna clean herself and starts licking her costume, and you're like, okay, this is this is some classic Tim Burton weird shit. Like, this is one of those. I'd like to see how this was actually written in the script, and then if Tim Burton came in, it's like, okay, now what I actually want you to do is you're gonna clean yourself and you're gonna lick the leather that you're wearing, and you're just like okay, this is fucking weird, right? Like, even even for this movie, this is weird. Like, she's not a cat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I might as well get it out of the way. Little young Tootie Jose was a big fan of Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie for obvious reasons. But even even that scene, I was like, this is not hot. This is just weird. <laughs> like, I kind of feel bad for Michelle Pfeiffer. Like... At that moment, she's probably thinking, like, how many zeros are on this check? Because I can't believe I'm in a latex suit licking myself like a cat. And also, did you know that she really put that live bird in her mouth?
0: Wow, that's impressive. Well, yeah, I, I, it didn't look like terrible CGI, which would have been in 92. So you, I'm good on her.
1: Yeah, apparently she said in hindsight she would never do that again because she didn't consider what kind of diseases she might get. And I'm like, yeah, yeah.
0: Or could have shit down her throat. Yeah, that oh, would have been gross. Oh
1: God! Oh Jesus! Um, I uh,
0: I will say though, in terms of Catwoman, it is in- interesting how much of a female empowering character she wound up being which is why I think not to tip my hand with a lime I think why I think people enjoy like critics enjoy this is because for all of its crazy weirdness I'm like that's the one I think shining element in terms of plot or message that was going through this thing was at the end of the day when she comes back as Catwoman she's a very empowered woman and basically like, i'm not going to be the damsel in dispre- distress and i'm going to call out women who are willing to be damsel in distress like if you don't need a big strong man to save you honey i will say i called this first off the hello there neon sign i thought was fucking awesome like i wonder if i could get a t-shirt that's just that fucking sign like that's awesome and then when she goes into her apartment after falling through and she starts smashing stuff i was like i looked over at kate and i was like that's gonna wind up becoming hell here and she goes what i'm like yeah watch it's gonna wind up being hell here and then it's an awesome scene when it flips over and it's you see that in the window behind her and then she leaps out of the window as cat like ah <laughs> fuck yeah hell here
1: I thought that was the best scene of the movie when she comes I home agree. and she reenacts the same like routine that she did earlier, but it's a much more demented, like she is clearly not all there anymore. Like just pouring mm-hmm. all of the milk in the cat's bowl. I, I love that scene. And yeah, it's a shame because I think Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is the bright spot of this movie. Um, I liked how, Like when she's checking her messages and her boyfriend like is like, hey, you know, basically it's over. I'm not taking you on vacation with me. And she comments, I shouldn't have beat him in racquetball. Every time she gets in trouble in this movie, it's because she tries to assert herself and men hold her down or literally throw her out windows. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I like the empowerment angle, but this movie is so scattershot that it. I don't think it does quite enough. Like there was more meat on that bone that I wish they'd have explored because then they're still doing the the biblical storyline of, you know, Penguin got sent down a river and now he's coming back for Gotham's firstborn children. Like there's a little phantom of the opera in there. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so many elements at work that nothing really gets a chance to shine. But Michelle Pfeiffer in her storyline is the closest.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, and I'll go ahead and bring that into casting. I know we say Michelle Pfeiffer in that scene and Catwoman kind of the highlighter. I think the casting period in this movie is, is top notch. I, I think I'd love to see Danny DeVito get to do the penguin, even at his age now, the penguin again, because I still view him as the penguin. I would love to see cleaned up and maybe a sophisticated penguin. Like even just like how dirty and almost, him as a guns dealer or something like that like i would like to see danny devito get to reprise that role with someone else directing it because i think Uh oh what are you gonna say well
1: hot take i think if you want to see this type of performance just watch it's always sunny in philadelphia this oh. feels like a little proto frank reynolds to me
0: oh yeah <laughs> that's what I. because it was the first time kate watched it too and i told him like get ready because you're gonna have to try and not see frank reynolds she goes but danny devito is frank reynolds i'm like i can't disagree but just realize like you have to try and Like (laughs) picture, this is not Frank Reynolds, but you're right. Um, I yeah, I really I loved Danny DeVito in this movie. Uh, Michael Keaton for and I assume this is going to be the fifth uh, five point. But for what little time he spends in the movie, I enjoyed Michael Keaton. I always love Christopher Walken. And like you said, I love (laughs) the scene when he pushes her out the window. Like the problem is, is it's weird to say this. With Danny DeVito as the Penguin, I still feel that somehow Christopher Walken steals every scene that he's fucking in. Like somehow it's still like Danny DeVito is doing a fucking top-notch performance as Tim Burton's Penguin, and still Christopher Walken manages to somehow take every scene that he's in. Especially when he's fighting with the fucking monkey to get the keys back or something like that, and he's in the giant cage. I'm like, this should be this should be Danny DeVito's scene, and somehow Christopher Walken in a cage is still all I fucking care about. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? (laughs) Because he is Batman, you idiot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Christopher Walken, as usual, just crushes Again, though, it's like you've got one too many... People at the time complained that two villains were too many. There's three villains.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: there is. Um, But Uh, yes, um, second Bat-Nana, which good, good... edit on your part uh i, I started with just second banana and brett wisely threw the pun in there um this might fall into i have questions but what the fuck does bruce wayne do all night does he just sit in a dark room and just wait for the bat signal to go off because i was i rewound that scene a couple times there's no book in there there's no radio there's clearly no television i'm like the dude just sits at home and just waits
0: well, he doesn't because there's at a certain point where he decides to patrol the streets in the Bat car, or Batmobile, which I <laughs> thought was interesting. Cause it's, wait, <laughs> I feel like it's supposed to be a secret like in any other movie. It'd be like the thing where like someone pulls up and no one knows. It. So, but it's like the penguin is rifling through the birth certificates and writing notes down and the a library or some gigantic open... I don't know why it's a giant pane of glass, but the Batmobile just slowly <laughs> creeps up and Batman looks over. I'm like... He has to know he's there. There's no way you don't notice the Batmobile creep up in the street. It's the Batmobile.
1: I also love that, you know, hey, Gotham's in dire straits, but he's just got to drive his car into town. Like there's the scene of the car just kind of cruising along. It looks like he's doing 45 miles an hour. I'm like, it. we established in the first movie that you've got a jet plane. Uh, we'll later establish <laughs> that you have a jet boat, which is just the perfect size for the Gotham sewer, but we'll we'll leave that <laughs> alone. But I'm like, you're literally doing the speed limit to go save Gotham city. Like Batman is just, Brett, <laughs> what is your favorite action scene involving Batman in this movie?
0: Because I feel like oh, he doesn't from... do anything. It has... And I finally know where the meme came from. It has to be when he straps the bomb to the big dude. Cause you're just like, what the fuck is he he gives a face like, I got you, motherfucker. i thought love that now he, he
1: doesn't even throw his own batarang. He just kind of programs it, and then it just does the work for him. I'm like...
0: Two just, things. The bad guys give him time to program it, and then secondly, a fucking little dog can snag it out of the air. It's enough to beat the shit out of everybody, but yeah, dude, the dog can snag it. And again, we talk
1: about how tonally disjointed this movie is it's it's played for comedy that the dog steals the batarang but then penguin i thought he killed the ice princess when he hits her like it's implied that he just throws it into her face like there's like yeah. a sickening thud sound i'm like did he just bury that into her forehead and i'm like oh no they can't kill her but no they just save her to push her off a building in a few minutes
0: well, because that's what I thought it was going to be—is they were going to find the battering and embed it into her, and that was going to be oh how they frame Batman's like oh no, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon on live TV—we have this bag of evidence. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with the bag of evidence? It's that's circumstantial uh... right now.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: and that's why I go back, Travis. I was very entertained in this movie, but it's fucking crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and most importantly to me, it's it's very entertaining. I, I won't spoil my rating. I'll, I'll give it high marks, but it's just, it doesn't feel like a Batman movie. None no. of the stuff I like about And it feels like Tim Burton didn't give a shit about Batman. Like he was clearly much more interested in Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer's characters.
0: Well, yeah, because he's Bruce Wayne and Batman are barely, for this to be a two, what, two hours and 11 minute or something like two hour Batman movie, Batman is barely in this movie. He is barely in this movie.
1: Yeah, and um, then like I said, the big the big plot to save all of Gotham's children, it's just it's implied. We don't get to see any of that action and, and that, that storyline is just resolved.
0: <laughs> uh so if you're ready, I still have plenty of questions. If you want to get st- into I have questions.
1: I still have a few as well. Wouldn't you? You wanna lead us off?
0: Uh yes. <laughs> So at a certain point, Batman decides that he has to get to the Batcave and he takes the Iron Maiden, right? the He hits the, the note in the aquarium and all that. I'm like, oh, that's cool and all that. And Alfred goes, I think I'll take the stairs. Bruce Wayne comes down the bat slide and not one second later... Alfred walks up from behind him. Like, the bat slide was no faster. How much time and resources did it take to make that whole mechanical thing? And it saved you no time. Like, there's no, I don't understand why you made it. Other than it goes back to that leading or leaning into the campiness of the 1960s. But because he literally comes down a slide, Travis, it's not like an elevator comes down and he gets off an elevator. He comes off of a fucking McDonald's slide. Okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it, it felt like eight-year-old me at the at the Discovery Zone. He just kinda his little legs kick out. Yeah.
0: I also have a question. So tell me if I'm wrong. The party, the Christmas party that Bruce Wayne goes to because he wants to see Selena Kyle. it's it's Max Shrek's party. Is that at the top of like a skyscraper or the building? Where is that? I thought it was the top at like at a a higher floor of like a sky rise. Am I wrong in that thought?
1: It was definitely in a multi-level department store because I remember Catwoman's like, hey, there's a California King up on in bedding or whatever. But I I don't know what floor they were technically on. I'm assuming you're going to ask how Penguin just... That that convenient <laughs> hole duck, in the floor that he's How many to,
0: floors did the duck go through <laughs> <laughs> to get up there so that he could take the Max's firstborn? Also, what's the restriction on that? Like, if somebody's sixty years old but they were the firstborn son, does he go after that sixty-year-old? Because that only adds more people that the penguin has to kidnap and murder.
1: Yeah, and at a certain point, it's a little harder to kill an adult and just tell them to walk into toxic sewage.
0: Yeah, but he was going to the whole point of him being there was he was taking Max's son, who had to be at least in mid to late 20s, judging by his size.
1: Yeah, Chip, Chip,
0: Chip. Not Chip. Uh, Take me.
1: Yeah. By the way, that was the one moment in the movie where it felt like Christopher Walken. I don't know if he was just ready for lunch at that point, but the whole like, take me instead. I'm, I'm just like, that was not convincing at all.
0: Mm hmm. (laughs) let's <laughs> uh, see so yeah, we've already gone through a couple of them um <laughs> yes the the bat sewer slat i mean was that just merchandising i'm like or does batman literally have a vehicle for everything because i'm like at a certain point I'm like when did he decide you know what because we don't even have lucius fox in this movie I'm like when did he go i'm like you know what there's a moment where i'm gonna have to go in the gigantic sewer system underneath gotham and i'm gonna need to get there fast and it's it's going to need to be a full sled, like a, like a small boat or something like that. I'm just (laughs) like, who developed that other than it was going to be a toy? Well, I have a question, Brett. How many times
1: do you think the whole Batmobile splitting apart and making itself more narrow to get through an alleyway? How often does Batman really practically get to use that? (laughs) Like, again, there's no Lucius Fox in this movie. So Bruce Wayne just decides, you know, what if it, what if, the left and right side just kind of broke off and I could get down an alley with this. Like, Christopher Nolan clearly was inspired by some of this movie, but all the Christopher Nolan stuff, like, made sense. Like, the Batpod emerging from the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Awesome scene. Oh, love that scene in The Dark Knight. Here, I'm
0: just like, you have a slightly more narrow car. <laughs> and that's it. It's the Bat Torpedo. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. And I, What part of the engine did it take? I don't... know <laughs> i don't know like it just seems like batman why do you have that big car anyway if you just if it seems like all that other stuff is unnecessary right right and and does he
1: come back later and retrieve the other two pieces like is there a <laughs> is there a batman branded tow truck that shows up and grabs those pieces
0: <laughs> the cleanup crew it's like yeah it's like when you have to get the the fuel pods from the space shuttle like ah oh, we got to go back into town and uh, fucking bruce wayne decided to launch the, the bat torpedo again
1: uh, which funny story, I guess after that scene, there was a, a cut scene from the script where he was going to have to take the car to get repaired. I think Alfred mentions it in a dropped line. Do you know who was supposed to be working on that car in the original script? I
0: I do know who it was. It was Marlon Waynes. And he was going to be Robin. Robin in the third movie. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that he still gets royalties for that?
1: <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Jack Nich- because Nicholson they decided also to royalties that. off of Batman Returns, despite not being in it.
0: Um, but um, my next question, and if you want to insert one of yours, you're more than welcome to. Or if you just want me to go through my list, how is the Penguin's goons, the Penguin, the Penguins? How are they so uh, good at engineering? Um, they redo the entire Batmobile and create a mobile device that the Penguin can then control and drive it from. The they build the rocket packs that they ast- attach to all of the penguins, all of the parasols that have been developed by the penguin. Like, is he a, like a Tony Stark? Like, is he a genius? Like, how do they make all of this shit? in a sewer with a box of scraps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the penguins, Brett. Why do the penguins have to march to the center of town if they have missiles attached to their back? It clearly shows the missiles can launch. So it's like, you don't have to kill your babies. Cause he, Penguin even says like, some of you won't make it back tonight. I'm like, why? Just, ha- you clearly have the technology to have guided rockets. Just have them step right outside and shoot the rockets to the center of town. These penguins or- are gonna take seven hours to march to the center of town when you could just shoot the rockets.
0: Or even at that point travis strategically why did they all go to the center of town to launch the rockets wouldn't you want one like i don't know every 30 or 40 feet apart so that you could do maximum damage like at that point you're not target you're just trying to blow up gotham <laughs> blowing up the christmas tree doesn't seem like that's going to achieve anything unless there's something i don't know about with that tree yeah
1: penguin in- incredibly uh impulsive in this movie
0: um I will also say I forgot to bring this up when I talked about the campiness of this movie. Max Shrek's power plant looks fucking ridiculous. Like it looks did, did you see the model of it when he's talking to the mayor? Uh
1: no, I think I might have overlooked that.
0: <laughs> Travis, it looks like a gigantic metal bunker. Like it's a trapezoid with three gigantic like candy cane smokestacks coming out of the top of it. It is the dumbest looking thing. I'm like it doesn't even look like a power plant. It looks it looks worse than what you would see in a cartoon. I mean, it's not just it a power just,
1: plant, right? It's chip's legacy.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually a capacitor. it's it's just it's going to take the power off and save it. And I still that I love that whole plot that Max Shrek has to convince everyone It is not on. No one is on board with him building the power plant. So I don't understand how that's a plot at all. Like Bruce Wayne knows it's bogus. The mayor doesn't He's like, Oh, I can convince the mayor. Bruce Wayne's supposed to be the funding for it. So even if he can get Cobblepot to take over as mayor, you still have to have somebody who's going to pay for it.
1: Yeah, I assume that the mayor would be able to reroute tax funds to get it built is, is my assumption
0: crazy why have the department stores the legacy that chips going to take over i don't understand what this this power plant just of all the things to have why is it a power plant like i just wonder like why again what was the idea behind it needing to be a power plant
1: well that's the other thing like i said this movie tries to do way too much tim burton is is trying to lampoon you know like the commercialism of christmas and and have your villain be a department store owner kind of plays into that but then you introduce the power plot power plant plot easy for me to say um which which makes no sense like i can see if you just want the department store owner uh as a way to kind of lampoon christmas but then you throw in that extra labor power plant you can just it feels like there's probably four or five different scripts kind of stitched together here
0: well and it would have been interesting if there was like some kind of weird like old money of Gotham where it's like Shrek's family versus the, you know, the Wayne's Bruce is the inheritance of that. And then, you know, suddenly the penguin cobble pot winds up being coming out of the, the sewers and assuming his parents fortune. And all of a sudden it's, it's what all of these people do with their wealth and their legacy. But again, that doesn't, you don't do anything with all of that. And like, it's there's the, the seed was planted for it. They just decided not to water it. Um, and then the, the last thing I have, under, and I'm sure there's plenty more, but these were my top I Have Questions, and so the segment doesn't wind up being two hours itself. Um, how do the penguins, at the end, grab the penguin and drag <laughs> him into the water? Because <laughs> as poetic and beautiful as it is that they come out and they, they drag his body into the water so that he can have, you know, uh, a penguin's funeral... I just don't know how they grab him, Travis. I'm still <laughs> confused as to how they managed to move that corpse.
1: Yeah, I love it, too, because the the movie makes no effort to try to make it plausible. Like, you can literally see their little flippers just next to his floating body, just his body that's <laughs> <Yes>. floating somehow.
0: <laughs> but yeah, oh.
1: be- beautiful moment. Like, I, I thought that was a, a very powerful scene. But yeah, I'm like, the, the little people in penguin suits don't have hands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of your questions, Travis? Hopefully I didn't steal any. Uh no, I think honestly, I think
1: we got to most of them. Uh why do the penguins have to go to the center? Okay, my my other I guess my only other one cuz you already answered the the branded stationery and the audio video equipment. Uh what happened with the power plant plot? Does Catwoman have superpowers? How many how many press conferences are in this movie? Oh. Three? Four? Yeah. Because there's the, the lighting of the tree that's supposed to happen and then doesn't. Both and then lighting.
0: Both lightings.
1: Yeah, and then there's the second lighting. And then there's Penguin giving his speech that goes awry.
0: And I feel like I'm leaving one out. There's the Penguin saving the mayor's baby. Saving the mayor's baby. I'm like, every there's time... Pe- go ahead there's there's penguin in the in the the the, um cemetery oh shit that's right yes there's penguin in the headquarters when when he says i I, (laughs) we're up at at least six right now travis it just (laughs) felt like every
1: time i turned around anytime the plot has to gain any sort of momentum tim burton's like let's have a press conference (laughs) and again let's move this plot along and again, when it looks so cheap and small, I'm like, yeah, here comes the 15 people of Gotham City who just really love going to press conferences.
0: There's not even anybody from the media there, right? It's just except yeah. the one time that they found the Batarang and he showed up for that.
1: But yeah, the uh, the press conference crutch really started to jump out at me after about the third or fourth one. Uh, so, yeah, that was my last question that we hadn't addressed
0: yeah so there's at least six uh i'd have to think there there might be more than that but um all right you want to do some blue book well, let's do some blue book all right travis the estimated price of this year flick was 80 million dollars in 1992 what do you think it brought in u.s and canada I'll say 109. 163 million dollars US and Canada. Okay. Okay. What do you think it brought in worldwide? Uh 270. Oh, okay, a little over, a little over. Uh 267. Okay. So my question is, when they wanted a third one of these and they were going to bring Tim Burton back, why say no? Obviously, this was a commercial success. So, yes, you couldn't get the Happy Meal toys, but clearly you were making money off of the movie.
1: Yeah, but I mean, haven't you always said that, like, on a lot of these Disney movies, it's the merchandise that is really the big breadwinner for the studio? I feel like that's but something I'm sure they you've s- already
0: yeah and i bet you the merchandise but i wonder if this merchandising got hit by you know the adult tone of the movie because like i guess i remember having the batman 1988 bat or is it 88 yeah 89 89 i remember having the batman 89 toys but i didn't never watch the movie i would have been two or three years old at the time but my mom still went and bought me the batman action figures and stuff like that i mean dude i remember growing up in the 90s there being like judge dread action like Any R-rated RoboCop, all that shit, Aliens. like It didn't matter what the rating of the movie was. They made toys for that shit. Kids played with it. So it's just, to me, it's these these weird, like, the the corporate synergies where somehow, yeah, oh, we can't use McDonald's. It's like, I feel like there's other ways you could have done promos.
1: Yeah, but I mean, to go back to one of our recent reviews when we did Idiocracy, we talked about how that movie got buried because the studio was like, we don't want to potentially piss off all these corporate sponsors. So we would rather just take a gigantic loss and barely release this theatrically. I could imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, executives in a boardroom, you know, hey, McDonald's said that they're not even going to do a promotional tie-in if we keep Burton on. And I feel like if you have... You know, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, a couple of other big companies who are who are taking that line, especially when you think, well, hey, Batman's an established property. You know, Batman's the star. Tim Burton's not the star. I could easily see them walking away from wanting to. And again, the budget always has to get bigger. You said they spent 80 million on this one. So the next mm-hmm. one, they're probably looking at north of 100 million. Maybe they didn't want to risk that without, you know, a ton of corporate financing would be my guess. That's
0: a- that's what I'm trying to figure out. I was like, the Batman... Oh, I typed in Returns. That's why I'm an idiot. All the Batman Returns toys, McDonald's toys, I felt... They did actually make toys. I think they were pissed off about it after work, because I do remember seeing the cars and stuff like that. Um, but I know they did a lot of Batman and the animated series stuff, as too. I meant to do Batman Forever. Because I remember... Do you remember the glasses for Batman Re- Forever? No. Like, it was like Riddler and Two-Face. It was like a... a a glass pint glass yeah i don't even know if they did toys i think they just did those glasses that you could buy but yeah they didn't even do toys the next go round. they wound up just doing the these weird cups but very interesting yeah I mean, uh, ultimately i think you just look at
1: how weird tim burton got with this Mm. How is he going to top himself? The studio probably doesn't want to spend $100 million to find out.
0: Yep. Which, speaking of Tim Burton, watched the Wednesday series on Netflix. Boy, has that dude gotten, like, just mellowed out. Like, I think, I think most of the episodes are actually directed by Tim Burton. And oh, you I would had, never I know. know. I
1: had no idea he had any involvement.
0: It's one of those, I think they wanted to put his name to it because the, he's the king of that Gothic style but I there's several of them I, I would have never I it's a good I enjoyed the show it has a, a definitely a CW polish like a, a Riverdale or Vampire Diaries kind of polish to it and to see Tim Burton because I think he he after Wednesday came out he came out against Disney so I was like he never wanted to work with Disney because he doesn't have any creative freedom. I was like, it just didn't feel very Tim Burton to me. There wasn't nearly as weird as I expected it to be. But I digress. You ready for some tag and title? Yeah, I feel like I'm either going to nail
1: this this week or you're going to completely stump me. There can't be a middle ground.
0: So I'm going to tell you this, Travis. I'm giving you two adjacents, but... First time, first time, they're to the same movie. So you're going to get four, you're going to get four taglines. One of the taglines will be an official tagline for this movie. One tagline will be a tagline I created. And one tagline, or two taglines will be to a movie I found adjacent. Are you ready? I hope so. No one is ever really gone the dark night before Christmas. The bat, the cat, the penguin, and every generation has a legend.
1: Uh, I believe the bat, the cat, and the penguin is an official tagline. Okay. Uh, what did you say? The dark nightmare before Christmas. What? Did the you dark
0: say? night. <clears throat> Sorry, the dark night before Christmas.
1: Uh, that's a hundred percent of Brett Mosher creation. Um and you said no one has ever really gone.
0: So the other T, te- the other two are no one has ever really gone and every generation has a legend.
1: Those two, they're of a pair. um so that's an adjacent title every generation. Every Give me the every generation what?
0: Every generation has a legend. No one is ever really gone. Those See are the, the two you have remaining.
1: I, I was gonna guess Batman begins with the legend one, but the no one is ever really gone makes no sense in the context of that
0: movie. All right, my, my direction was the hero and the villain fall in love and another villain kind of comes out of nowhere, with a stupid, stupid, uh, like plot reasoning.
1: So it's not Batman Mm-mm. Um, I'm just gonna throw it out. I'm gonna say you, you, you've you've planted the seed already in a Berry's Catwoman final answer.
0: It is. You got all. You got everything right. Uh, the Bat, the Cat, and the Penguin is an official tagline for this. The Dark Knight, and that's K-N-I-G-H-T because Batman's The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, Before Christmas, is mine. The other two are for 2019's Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh,
1: damn it! I was <laughs> thinking Star Wars.
0: <laughs> uh, because those two heroes wind up falling in love for some reason, and there is just a really stupid you know, plot of a villain that comes back out of fucking nowhere. So...
1: Not out of nowhere, Brett. They they they, they oh, teased I'm sorry, that came out in, of Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's always nice when you you establish major characters come back and you know a platform that most people that are actually fans of that franchise aren't actually <laughs> playing. But it's again, that's a conversation for that corporate bit. synergy synergies. Uh Yes, good job, sir. Uh, some of the other, I, I didn't have a lot of good taglines to pick from for this that you wouldn't have seen through. Uh, we have from the sewers of Gotham, and new a new villain emerges from the rooftops of Gotham. The perfect enemy comes to life, and the only one who can save them is a creature of the night. Very long, reminiscent of like those super early taglines where it's a paragraph. While she craves a romance, she can't or she can sink her claws into. He plots a foul reign of destruction again very wordy above Gotham Gotham looms its greatest hero and then uh, returns June 19th
1: you know they should have if I were if the roles were reversed and I were making the tagline for this movie you know what I mm-hmm. would have made it what Batman returns sort of
0: <laughs> <laughs> Batman stops by <laughs> yeah <laughs> Batman has a
1: few scenes. Batman has a cameo.
0: <laughs> all right, sir. Do you have, you said you had two time capsules for us this week. We went through one. What's your second? Um,
1: This is, it's, it's wild timing. I did not intend to do it at all, but earlier today, I just happened to be looking for a documentary to watch on TV. And uh, I went with a movie called Enron, the smartest guys in the room. Um, <laughs> which is about uh, a power company, an energy company who in California has some buckery with kind of monopolizing and and monetizing uh, what should be a God-given right, which is electricity um, and kind of how they were in their own way hoarding power. So as ridiculous as I thought this plot line was, it kind of told the future a little bit. And if you go back and watch (laughs) that movie, there's a lot of... uh, Archived footage of, like, the leadership of Enron giving speeches, lying out their fucking ass the whole time. I just want that reshot with Max Shrek, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek delivering those, those press conferences. So, my my other time capsule is Enron, smartest guys in the room. Pretty awesome documentary, but oddly enough, has a little bit of a tie with Batman Returns.
0: All righty. Uh, I just dropped, I just, I I have to, you're talking about the power, I just, you have to look at a picture of what the power plant looks like. <laughs> I dropped really? it in the general chat, real quick, just so you could see it.
1: Oh. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like uh, three-fourths of a pyramid with just some candy cane decoration on top.
0: Right, it's yeah, the that, that's most hideous. ridiculous thing. Like, <laughs> that's the... Plan. That's and that's am talking about the tone of this movie is all over the fucking place. That is the power plant that Max Shrek wants to build. Yeah,
1: and again, if it's your son's legacy, wouldn't you want it to kind of look cool and unique? <laughs> yes. All yeah, right. Yeah, that's all. That's awful.
0: So let's let's get into some alignment. I think alignment's going to be a little bit longer this week. So Travis, scale of one to a hundred. Where do you put this movie? I'll say uh, 73. A 73. 73. Uh, interesting you say that. You're in perfect alignment with the fans. Critics actually found this to be 81% positive. And like I said, I assume that that has to... I, I'm not exactly sure what people found uh, super redeeming. Like, again, enjoyed this movie, thought it was fun. I, again, I don't know if I would say... I would give it an 8 out of 10, essentially. I think that's a little... I don't know. It's a little strong. I'm I don't
1: don't feel great about my 73, but the movie is fun enough in the moment where I I don't want to score it too low.
0: I'm just trying to think, because I think I gave I Am Legend like a 7. I'm like, I would rather watch this over I Am Legend any day. So it it has to be above that. Um, Yeah. So... What I think is interesting, out of nine Batman films, I will give them to you in order. Do you want to try and put them in order as to what the what critics and fans, or do you just want me to give you their numbers?
1: Um, I know the Dark Knight's going to be number one. I would assume Batman so. The nine begins will be number two.
0: the 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 nine films we have are 1966's Batman, the 1989 Batman, Batman Returns. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and Batman versus Superman. Do you want to take a stab at how you think those stack up?
1: Uh, the Dark Knight... Is this critics? Yeah. Number one, okay. The Dark Knight. Number two, 1989's Batman. Number three, Batman Begins. Number four... Batman returns number 5 Batman forever number 6 Batman versus Superman number 7 1966 Batman what am i what am i leaving out here
0: um i think you've given i think you still need Batman and Robin Batman and Robin
1: is going to be last
0: and then, did you put Returns say, in yet?
1: Yeah, I put Returns. Oh, Batman v Superman will be yeah. second from the bottom.
0: You are very close with the critics. So it is Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins. This is where you're gonna get it, is Batman. Batman Returns, 1989 Batman, Batman Forever, Batman vs Superman, and Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is hovering at a 12%. Woo. That's how badly people hate that movie.
1: I'm shocked that the Dark Knight Rises is above Batman Begins.
0: I think that's interesting too. I, I would have it changed. Now here's the interesting thing. I won't make you guess these. This is the fans. This is the the general masses. Number one, it's technically they're tied. But one in two are Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Both have a 94% rating. Then it's the Dark Knight rises, then it's 1989's Batman, then Batman Returns, Batman V Superman is at sixty-three, Batman nineteen sixty two or sorry, nineteen sixty six is at a sixty two, Batman Forever then drops down to a thirty two, and then Batman and Robin is at sixteen percent. So a little bit of a shake up there. I uh I guess I would have yeah, I would have to agree with the fans on this one. But what I thought was interesting is that Batman Returns is middle of the road for both of them. It both came in at five out of nine. So it is literally, that is the average Batman. This is the average Batman movie if you're looking at af- or, uh, live action Batman movies.
1: And, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that's totally unfair at all.
0: Yep, I, I would agree with that. That this is middle of the road. Like it's It's not the best and it is by far not the worst. This is right there in the middle. Oh, hey, it's me again. It's been a little while since I've had to do one of these little uh, intrusions with you all. But I'm sure as many of our avid listeners, maybe our huge Batman fans, or maybe just files, know, I made a mistake. And I'm not too big to own up to that. There are actually 10 live-action Batman movies, and I, I said that there were only 9. I somehow managed to omit 2022's The Batman starring Robert Patterson. Peter Patterson? Patterson, yeah. I'm gonna have to do a record scratch on a record scratch. Uh, but I thought it was only fair to come in here and give the stats, just for anybody who's listening and wants to know. The Batman, according to Rotten Tomatoes, critic score came in at an 85, which actually would have bumped out Batman Begins out of the top three for critics, because Batman Begins came in at an 84. And in terms of the 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 regular folk, as I like to call them, us. Uh, It was, it came in at a 87, which would have put it in fourth place. So it would have bumped down 1989's Batman, as well as Return's uh, Batman v Superman, 1966, Forever, and Batman and Robin. But it's funny that we forgot to, I forgot about it because I'm pretty sure we brought it up in the first movie in the Questionably Christmas trilogy with Colin Farrell playing the penguin in The Batman. But, uh, yeah, I will uh now let you all get back to your regular programming, but as I said, thought it was important to, you know, make sure we address that issue. Happy holidays, everyone. Um so unless you have a fun little chop shop other than the little things we've talked about, I think we can go ahead and wrap up the show.
1: Uh yeah. Did did you wanna did you have any closing thoughts about the movie?
0: No, I think the biggest thing is just... I th- I wish Tim Burton had kind of chosen a road. I think he tried to play too much into kind of the gothic and serious tone, and then I don't think you can do that in the campiness in the same movie. I think you have to... Ch- those are two parallel roads, and they can't cross. So... And if they do, it's like one or two intersections where you just make one weird joke, and then that's it. But even that feels out of place. I just think he tried to inter—he tried to mix them together too much, and it just—it winds up not not making a strong movie narratively. But it's still a very entertaining movie. Like from beginning to end, I was very very entertained watching it. It just story wise, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Any of the decisions that that happen, characters' motivations don't really play out like it is just the ultimate and like weird comic book camp with this weird dark gothic tone kind of injected into it
1: yeah perfectly said the movie's a little bit dr jekyll and mr hyde uh as far as tone i'm i'm glad that that i stalled a little bit because i have one last question and it's also going to be my quote to close mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it why brett in the middle of a, a fight presumably to the death does batman take the time to pause and comment on the mistletoe i mean i know ultimately it's so that they can repeat the lines back to each other and realize who one another are but in the moment i'm just like why the what the fuck is he talking about
0: I think I think it goes back to that like they're trying to be campy with you know Batman almost like the Horatio Sands from you know CSI in Miami with like the weird like you know he's been shot the priest has been shot so I guess you could say he's holy and you're just like okay like what the like come on <laughs> it's like, it's I think they were going for something like that where it was supposed to be kind of cheesy and then they they brought it back up and became full circle. I do love in that scene then when she goes, are we going to have to fight now? And he's like, let's take this outside. I'm like, I actually, that was fun. We're just like, okay, we both know like, are we going to do this here? Are we going to like, what's going to happen here? Yeah. That, that
1: was probably my second favorite scene of the movie, but yeah, the, the setup for that payoff is a bit hammy at best, but <laughs> yes. uh, it's a movie full of ham. So yeah, Brett, uh mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Now you you say uh, the other part.
0: I don't remember what the other part is. Give it a to me. A we'll, kiss can we'll be even it
1: deadlier it. if you mean it.
0: Oh, a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it.
1: I don't know how you could have forgotten such brilliant script writing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a cute one. Huh. Uh, played this city like a heart from hell. Mm.
1: Oh, I did love that. that. We want you to wear these gloves. Voters love fingers.
0: (laughs) I guess it's better than having a nose gushing with blood. What? (laughs) Again, very entertaining. Fun movie. I think people should watch it. It is just a very different superhero movie. (laughs) I don't think this movie does not get made today. This movie no, does not get made no. today. Scri- no. There's no way that script gets approved.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, like I said, Nolan will always be my preferred Batman, but this is a, a fun movie if you're not all that interested in Batman.
0: All right. Well, this concludes our Questionably Christmas trilogy. Uh, I don't know what we have up next, but we look forward to seeing you for it. Bye.
1: I just really wanted to say the shop's pussies. So.
0: <laughs> Travis, yeah. all right.
1: I can't wait to hear how you describe this plot. Plot.
0: Can Batman stop many the many plots against the good people of Gotham, or will his pursuit of a costume pussy cat stop him from saving the day? Bravo. Travis, that's why I was laughing, because somehow we managed to be on the exact same page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: uh, the, the pussy pun count is up to two already. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Did someone just crash in the middle of tag and title? <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy as fuck. Oh. I was gonna if if he was in I was gonna I was gonna reread him and have him do it. yeah, <laughs> oh, we're getting an ASCII dick <laughs> so we just so our our guest from last week just crashed for a second, so.